When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And Brett, like, nothing has happened since our last show, I guess. Uh, like, usually we have a game to talk about, some game that hasn't happened. Arizona's basketball games we do know against UCLA and USC were postponed due to COVID issues within both of those programs. Um, the women's team has still been out of action. They had their own COVID issues, and they've got some reschedulings and all sorts of. So college basketball is a mess right now due to COVID. Arizona's caught up in it, whether it's their issues or their opponent's issues, and therefore we don't have really any news to talk about. I think I think the no news is the news, Adam, the, yeah. with the games being canceled, which is very unfortunate, You know, both for college basketball but also for the bowl games being canceled. COVID is, uh, you know... The, the the end of the pandemic uh, declaration may have been a little bit premature. Yeah, just did, but I know a lot of people were trying to get mad at UCLA. The news came out. We're recording on the 29th, by the way. The news came out yesterday on the 28th that UCLA had returned to practice, and people were like, "Wait a minute! If they can get back on the practice court, why can't they play Arizona in three days?" Which is kind of a fair question, other than the fact that one, the game was already postponed, so I don't think they're going to be like, "Whoops!" You know, there's no takesies backsies on that one. And two, I guess one reason I'm not going to pile on those types of programs that are dealing with this is because it seems so very hard to avoid. Like at some point, you almost feel it's inevitable that Arizona is going to have their own COVID issues. And if it does happen and when it does happen, I'd rather not that they not be forced to get back on the court two days after, you know, playing an actual game two or three days after they first get back on the court after a two week, three week hiatus. Like that's not ideal. And you can say what you want about these kids and their ability to bounce back from the virus. If they have, if they're asymptomatic or mild symptoms, they're 18, 19, 20 year old athletes. They're in great shape, but you and I, Brett, we each dealt with COVID and it takes a little bit of getting back into the swing of things after you've basically been doing nothing, athletically speaking, for that amount of time. So when it does happen to Arizona, because it seems likely it will eventually, knock on wood, it doesn't. But if and when it does, I'd kind of want them to have that same luxury of, you know what, ease back into it so that way when you do start playing games that matter, you're ready to go. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's, as with all things COVID, it's more complicated than, you know, the fan that wants to watch the games. I know you were planning on being at the oh, yeah. Arizona UCLA game. <laughs> um, you know, it's, there's, there's local laws and regulations. There's changing guidance from the CDC, and then it takes organizations like the NCAA or the Pac-12 to catch up to what new guidance is. I'm, it's one of those things where I'll just say it sucks, but, you know, I, I, I I don't I don't bemoan or begrudge anybody other than just saying, yeah, that's terrible. I want COVID to be gone. Yeah, yeah. So 
hopefully that game does happen. I mean, right now it would have been still, but in two top 10 teams, Arizona slipped to number nine in the rankings following their loss to Tennessee, which is fine. You know, they're still a top 10 team and just, you want to see them back on the court. They did reschedule the game against Washington for January 3rd. Now that game was supposed to happen a few weeks ago and it got postponed due to issues with Washington. It makes sense because Arizona, otherwise they'd have a long break before the next game, January 8th against ASU in Tempe. And of course, everything comes with the allegedly that's their next game because we don't know what's happening in this world. I guess one, it's, it's not a positive with COVID, but one thing, if you want to take a note out of it in the NBA, it's been just ravaging everyone. There's a lot of Arizona Wildcats landing on rosters in these times here. Uh, Brennan Williams, Gets a shot with Portland. Stanley Johnson with the Lakers. I saw Gabe York was picked up by Orlando. So it's like, okay, you know, some of these guys that are fringe NBA players are getting a chance, and it's never a bad thing to see Wildcats get an opportunity. You hope, of course, Brendan Williams, I feel really good for that kid after what he dealt with with injuries in high school and with Arizona to get a chance at being an NBA player. Uh, and he had a pretty good debut, I saw, in a handful of minutes. So... You know, it's it's you'd rather it not happen. But as long as there's some bad happening for Arizona, it's nice to see some Arizona Wildcats getting an opportunity at the next level. Totally. And like, you know, Brandon Williams is a guy that's super easy to root for with all of the things he's had to overcome with, you know, various injuries and getting his chance. And like you said, looking pretty good in, in, in his early his early opportunities. But also, you know, Stanley Johnson was starting for the Lakers. Right. And he played 32 minutes the other night and looked pretty good i mean and there, you know stanley johnson is what 25 years old still like he's Jeez. still a guy that yeah you know to write him off at this point would seem foolish in a you know in an nba where i forget what the number is where a lot of guys you know the, the percentage of guys that spent time in the g league in the nba currently on current active rosters is higher than you think and the, a lot of these guys that get drafted at a very young age based on potential are finally getting some chances like stanley johnson see if they can turn something, uh, you know, t- take this opportunity and turn it into a, a, you know, a longer playing career in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's what you're hoping for. Obviously, you, know, you want everyone to get healthy. And, like you said, wish for the end of COVID. Like we're all, I think we're all tired of this. We're over it. We want everyone to stay healthy. And I, there are smarter people than me that make decisions in terms of like what risk tolerance you should have, you know, should be, should all these vaccinated players be being tested every day? Should they be canceling games for asymptomatic? I have no idea. Like I'm a sports fan. I want to see them play. Like you mentioned, I was going to go to the game against UCLA until it got postponed. And that's a bummer to me. But at the same time, I also understand there's probably a few things bigger in this world than sports. And ultimately, like I'm not saying that the people who are smarter than me don't make mistakes. Like this is an ever evolving, evolving fluid situation. But I don't think there's an easy answer for anyone other than we all want this to be over with. We're all tired and we want life to resume somewhat normally. But until it does, if you can find that uh, glimmer of hope or that glimmer of, hey, that's kind of cool that some Arizona guys are getting a chance in the NBA while the Arizona players are having to wait to play their next game, then, you know, so be it. Like, it's (sighs) here we are at the end of 2021 and we're still dealing with this stuff. Well, as I feel like we've been saying since I joined the podcast, Adam, if you enjoy college sports like we do, you know, consider getting vaccinated. Let's try to end this thing so we can actually go back to normal and enjoy enjoy college sports. Yeah, one other quick note that came out. See, on AZ Desert's form, the NCAA doesn't plan on going back to a bubble for the men's or women's tournaments this season, which I think that makes sense. Like, right now, that's, they're still a few months away from having to worry about that. But that's to be, their to be plan. fair, Adam, they didn't plan on going into the bubble the first time. True, true. Uh, but they are considering uh, removing that 25 games played 
minimum in order to be eligible for the tournament because obviously as more teams lose games to postponements and cancellations, it might be harder for them to get to 25. But uh, hopefully, Brett, next week by the time we record, there should be more news. There'll be the games that happen and games to immediately preview, I guess. I mean, I think we'll probably record after the Washington game anyway, but uh, I don't know how much to preview that one. Washington hasn't been very good this season when they have played. Arizona's coming off a tough loss against Tennessee. It'll be a couple of weeks since that game when Arizona takes the floor at the McHale Center against the Washington Huskies. You'd expect Arizona to cruise in that one, but also see what kind of rust they may have to shake off, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with all of the time off for all of these teams to see how how focused players remain, how it goes. But let's just let's just get to where we're playing the games. And I want you and I want to have stuff to talk about. Hopefully a lot of Arizona Wildcat wins. Yeah, definitely. Well, Brad, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we ask you guys questions on the Wildcat Radio AZ Twitter account. We wanted to do a mailbag, get your thoughts as we wrap up the year 2021 heading into the year 2022. And we're going to get to that mailbag after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And on the Wildcat Radio Twitter account, at Wildcat Radio AZ, we asked you all for your questions. It's one of our mailbag segments. We figured, you know what? It's the end of the year. We, Like we said in the last segment, we don't have a lot to talk about. So we wanted you guys to help us plan our show. So, Brett, you got the Twitter account. You managed that much of the time. What do we got this week? So we're going to start off with a basketball question, Adam. Uh, the first question is from Gary L. Freed, at GL Freed. And Gary asks, when Tommy Lloyd steps down after winning seven national championships, who should replace him? Same question for Adia. By the way, before you answer, Adam, I did uh, quote retweet this and ask if this was a great question or the greatest question with (laughs) both men's and women's basketballs in the premise of the question, having won seven national titles. Uh, But who will replace either of them once that great glorious period of domination happens well starting with tommy lloyd he's what 47 years old right now seems kind of odd to retire at you know 55 someone at the top of his game like that so i i mean i I don't know if he would leave arizona just retire into the sunset there (laughs) (laughs) and i you know what's funny about both of these situations we can relate to adia barnes too or even more so with adia it's kind of funny is that she's obviously an arizona legend and I don't know if Arizona was her dream job. And there were reports that she was courted by Baylor in the offseason. And obviously she's building something or she's built something incredible down in Tucson. And she's going to be courted by other teams, other programs every season. You know, so the question is, does she want to leave ever? Does she feel like she, if she accomplishes the most she can at Arizona, which is a championship, why would she leave? Because she wouldn't have to prove it anywhere. If she proved she could do it at Arizona. Then, geez, she's going to be one of the you know, elite coaches, at least thought of that way. So I don't know if she would leave necessarily. So I don't know if Arizona would have to about replacing her. And if, if they do, then I have no idea. How do you replace Adia Barnes if she does that? Tommy Lloyd at least doesn't have a history, you know, like Adia Barnes says. Tommy Lloyd, you'd think you'd go to Gonzaga if he was ever going to leave. But a similar thing, if you, win, if you win a championship at Arizona, let alone that many, like what reason do you have to go other than a pull in a certain direction, like location-wise, or just more money? Like that would be the only things that I could think they would leave and leave for. 
Yeah, I think um, they're both relatively young. Adia Barnes has the, you know, the the local legend made good as the head coach that Tommy Lloyd does not, you know, he doesn't have the Arizona background that Adia Barnes has. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of both, for both of them, they're relatively young. And after a seven straight, you know, unprecedented period where both men's and women's basketball teams win the next seven national titles, they'll still be relatively young, mm-hmm. but they will have established quite a legacy. I, I, I have, I actually know who I want. I think Tommy Lloyd is the right age with who I view as a wonderful future successor. TJ McConnell. Um, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that guy, TJ McConnell is going to make his money for eight to 10 years in the NBA and then work his, you know, work his way up through the, the coaching ranks. And that guy loves, he bleeds red and blue. He was a transfer to Arizona, but you know, the guy kissed the, the court at McHale coming off in his last home game. I have, I have, I, I have no problem saying that he's going to make a very good head coach someday both in terms of his uh, ability to motivate, you know, be a communicator and a, a straight talker. And the, he's a grinder mentality. That's how he made himself an NBA player. And that's what you need to be to be a successful recruiter. Um, so that's my, that's my answer for, or maybe that's my dream scenario for, uh, for, for, for Tommy Lloyd's successor. I think um, Adia Barnes successor is a, you know, it's a different question because if you take the premise of, Let's just keep running with the premise of both of these players are very or coaches are very successful. If Adia Barnes makes a run for multiple national titles at Arizona, I guess I'm going to pose this question in a different way to you, Adam. If she if she is incredibly successful and wins multiple national titles, whether it's retiring or moving up in the world to some you know higher paying job, do you have to go with an alum or no? Do you, you absolutely don't. And you should never have to, you never have to go with an alum for anything. But what I would get at here for both Tommy Lloyd and Adia Barnes, if they were to have that kind of success, and oh, Gary, I hope they do. <laughs> you, you know, they could have half that kind of success, and I'd still feel really good about a third of it, and I'd feel really good about it. But let's say they do have some some level of success in that range, then whatever Arizona has to do to replace them, they'll be in a much better spot. Like Arizona women's basketball will, will not be just a bottom feeder program like it was when Adia took over. It'll be an elite job, a high end job that could probably afford to pay a certain type of coach, you know, more money because that's a revenue generating sport. We've seen the crowds they're drawing. I don't see why that would change. And then basketball too. By the time Tommy Lloyd would leave, whatever sanctions or whatever IARP, you know, the punishment from what happened under Sean Miller will have been handed down, and they'll be past that. They'll be through it, and Arizona will have been rebuilt to being that type of I don't want to say blue blood, but that next step down or whatever Arizona would be maybe by then they would be a blue blood but you know either job both jobs will be a lot better than they were when the respective coaches took over so if and when they do leave with that kind of success it'll be that much more attractive for whoever takes over after them I I think you're right um here's a here's another fun reframing of the question Adam given both Adia Barnes and Tommy Lloyd are relatively young in their roles is the future is their successor currently a head coach in college sports for either of them you'd kind of feel like no just because if you're expecting them to be at arizona for another 10 years 12 years 13 years like you'd kind of want i don't want to say a young coach like a first-time coach i don't think arizona basketball like i say that as tommy lloyd's a first-time head coach <laughs> but this comes after again the success that tommy lloyd would have i, I think you wouldn't have to do that because i think if arizona had its druthers they would not have hired a first-time head coach. A lot of people were concerned about that. With Adia Barnes, it's more like, hey, she's an alum. She's great. 
you know, bring her in. What's the worst that could happen for Arizona men's basketball in a normal hiring cycle for them? They're not hiring a first time head coach. I don't care if it's Tommy Lloyd. They're not doing that. So given their age, I think they could get the next, you know, Sean Miller type, someone who was that, or they would get the guy like a Chris Beard, someone who had success at a pretty high level program, but is looking to make that next jump. So no, I don't think, I don't think the coach that would replace either of them is coaching right now. But that's assuming that each of them is going to be at their jobs for another decade plus. Yeah. Well, if they're winning the next seven titles, they are going to be at Arizona for at least the next seven years. So, yeah, I think we I I think I think you're right, Adam, because I think I think Tommy Lloyd was as a first time coach was almost an anomaly of the NCAA cloud over Arizona, where a few years ago it would have been unheard of for Arizona to hire an assistant, even a high the most highly credentialed assistant on the West Coast. Yeah. Because people would say this is, I mean, look at, um, was it Gilbert Arena saying like, no, he's a he's a West Coast Conference assistant coach, right? Um, you know, early returns are that was a a, a poor take from Mr. Arena. Shocking. But, you know, he's he's always been known for his really thoughtful decision making in <laughs> in life. Um, <laughs> but you know. can understand the point though. He wasn't an alum, and he's an assistant, yeah. and. For Arizona men's basketball, the thought is you can do better than that. Now, granted, a lot of them wanted Arizona alums, like Gilbert Arenas wanted, you know, Damon Stoudemire. Or, you know, one of those guys, I'm like, I, that goes back to the question that you framed. No, it doesn't have to be an alum. If an alum is your best option at that time, then absolutely. Then, sure, all things being equal, go with the alum, someone who bleeds Arizona red and blue. But your, start, your shirts should not have to start there. It should not be disqualifying for any candidate that they're not an alum. If they're the best candidate, I don't care where they went to college. If they're the best one for the job, hire them. 100% agree, Adam. So Okay, so there's more mailbag, though. we got to get to that stuff. Come on, Brett. All right. Thanks, Gary, move- though, for the questions, though. Those are yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move it. We have a couple. Of, we have a handful of football questions, some of which are two-parters. So I'm going to start with from azbeardown at azbear underscore down. Part one, name two current returning Arizona football players you're excited about heading into next season. And part two is name two recruits in the 2022 football class that you're excited about and think could make an impact immediately. Parenthetically saying T-Mac excluded because that's the (laughs) obvious answer. Oh, that's, that's a good question. One of the guys I'm most excited to have return is Mayjean Wright who did not play for Arizona last season. We saw him the year before. He looks like he has the size and the ability, and Jed Fish couldn't help but rave about him in, pre- you know, in press conference. He's like, yeah, we get that guy back next season. So I'm very, very excited to see what he can do for them. Um, and I, I would say maybe on the other side of the ball, Christian Roland Wallace, assuming he comes back. Another year older with that defense, and he's got all the athleticism, all the tools in the world. And I think with another year in this system, could be a star type of corner, like a shutdown, lockdown type of corner. And I know he's not you know, under the radar necessarily, but he's a guy who with another year in this system, I think could be really, really good. So I'm going to go with you know one guy who didn't play at all last year in Mejon Wright, and the other one, Christian Roland Wallace, who played a lot, but I think can be even better. That's for yeah, the who, I, who's coming back next season. Yeah, I'll, for. I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer to part one. Um, I think on the offensive side, I think the guy I'm most excited to see if he makes a leap is Stevie Rocker. Okay. Because I think he I showed like a, I think he showed a lot, lot, lot of flashes of potential and production as a true freshman. Um, and I think the raw ability is there, especially if you put him with an improved receiver group, with an hopefully improved O-line. Um, 
I th- I think he has the potential to be a star, you know, player. You know um, what kind of gets me there though is he's in a crowded running back room. That's that's fair. It's but not anything to do with him. Like he's, re- I think no. he's talented, but there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Well, it's a it, that's a good problem to have, and it's going to be a good problem to have when there's only one football, and you're going to have a much upgraded, you know, wide receiver and tight end room as well, right? True, but hopefully, true. hopefully Arizona's offense it goes from putrid to you know high octane fairly quickly. Um, in terms of you know, on the defensive side, I think the guy I'm going to I'm going to take uh, Christian Roland Wallace's partner is the guy that I'm most intrigued to see if he makes the jump and trade in Stukes, because okay. I think he came in as a walk on corner. He was a late developing like raw athlete sprinter that grew a lot before he kind of came to Arizona as a as a walk on and earned a scholarship quickly. And over the course of the year, you know, he became a pretty legit D1 player yeah, he as, was a, solid. As, as, as a really young guy that's, you know, kind of learning as he's going. You know, I don't know if we know what his ceiling or floor is at this point. Um, so he's a guy I'm really intrigued to see because the sheer athletic ability and then the late blooming length, um, you know, happened uh, that makes him a really intriguing guy to see if he can take a leap for a guy that on a, you know, a bull team isn't ever going to seeing the field. Now he's gotten a lot of real game experience. So I'm really curious to see how he is next year. That's a good call. He definitely developed over the course of the year and looks like, I mean, they with Roland Wallace, with Isaiah Rutherford coming back, I would assume too, there's some talent on that secondary and trans Stukes very much as a part of it. Yeah. And can, can I, can I cheat and throw in a third player here, Adam? Yeah, why not? It's our show. Um, another one on offense that I'm really curious to see uh, a person that we had on the show that didn't play last year, but I think could be a guy that plays a lot next year is Davis Duvall. You know, the, the Baylor transfer, um, he's going to be pretty physically developed and should be eligible and ready to go on an offensive line that needs, you know, some talent and bodies for sure. Uh, I'm curious to see, uh, if he can, you know, make a leap and get into the rotation this coming year. Well, yeah. And for someone like him too, like you may not notice him. That'd be something like, you know, being an offensive line, but if that offensive line improves and he's a part of it, then yeah, it'll be like, okay, then you'll throw in on the blocks when he's clearing a hole and all that stuff. And for sure. No, there's, <laughs> you know, it's hard to narrow it down to just one player because a lot, there's a lot of guys on this team and we've talked about, them. I don't think we've tried to, you know, sugarcoat what happened last season, but there's a lot of players who actually played pretty well and showed flashes. I mean, Paris Shan, another one defensively showed some flashes. What's he going to do with another year, you know, of growth. So, you know, it's not the most talented team in the conference in terms of what's returning, but it's not like there aren't players who can continue to improve and showed it over the course of the 12 games last season or whatever it was. So there was a second part of that question, right? Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the questions that are coming, Adam, so try not to duplicate your answers. But part two was two recruits in the 2022 class that you're excited about that could make and think could make an impact immediately, TMAC excluded. Well, I would think Keon Burnett will have a chance to make an immediate impact just because he plays a position that allegedly Arizona wants to focus on offensively, but maybe they need someone of his caliber to do that. Um, Another one out there is Jonah Coleman. I know we just talked about how the running back room is pretty loaded, but he's another one of those guys who's going to get on the campus early and just seems like an electric athlete type of guy who just will find his way onto the field. But I, 
it's so tough because there's a lot of players in this recruiting class who I'm excited to see too, like Sterling Lane, another one, you know, another four-star guy who's like, well, they should be able to use him somewhere on defense as a freshman. So can't wait to see if what he's got going for him, you know, and start his career. Yeah, I so I agree on Keon Burnett for sure. But in this in the spirit of naming some other guys, I mean, we have a top 25 recruiting class where it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fun to have a, 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 you know, an embarrassment of riches of guys to look at. But in terms I'm going to focus on guys, not just like the second part of that, that I think can contribute next year that I'm excited about. I think Tyler Martin might get on the field uh, that, you know, there's there's a lot of bodies in the linebacker room, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential, but there's not a lot of certainty there. And he seems sure. like, so far as a true freshman, can be a plug-and-play type middle linebacker type. He feels like somebody that can go in there with a high football IQ and and contribute early in a position of need. Um, the other, you know, another guy, the, another guy that I think maybe gets overlooked because of T Mac, that I think will contribute just due to sheer size and just raw ability is AJ Jones. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think he and Keon Burnett are going to be in a lot of goal line packages with T-Mac and suddenly that, you know, there's a lot of length where you can, you know, throw some jump balls or high passes, you know, from whoever's throwing the ball, whoever's slinging it, you know, big targets are helpful in the red zone. You know, A.J. Jones is a legit 6'4". You know, I think he's going to be a guy, even if he's not seeing the most snaps, I think he will contribute, especially in the red zone. And I think... I, I think the delta between him and T Mac is not as much as people necessarily think. In a good way, though, probably. Yeah, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a positive way, because um, I think you know, in 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 years past, if we had a commit of AJ Jones's caliber, we'd all be very very excited about him and say our receiving room is already massively upgraded. But he's almost for, a little bit forgotten in with with the T Mac commit. No, certainly the skill position they added to. And what was the other part of that question? There's a lot of two parters here, right? Yeah, so uh, no, for, for that question, it was excited about thinking make an immediate impact. Okay, yeah, yeah, and those guys, because there's guys to be excited about, but there are guys like who is going to see the field as a freshman and play a role, uh, but there's a lot of guys uh, that you could only just, like, you know, close your eyes and point at the list of this freshman class and find someone who could contribute this season. Yeah, and uh, to kind of segue into a next question that's kind of related to this, because uh, it's, it's a similar question in terms of who are uh, – you know, uh, Stowe at STO six eight zero six two seven five two. Um, not quite a phone number, but some, some type of digits at the end. Someone will answer. Uh, Stowe asks, which twenty twenty two early signee uh, of of the let me let me fix the the phrasing here of the twenty twenty two early signees who will be on campus in January and are there any potential surprise air quotes early impact players? Say there's a good list of who is going to be there early. You can see on azdesertstorm.com. A lot of the guys we named just now are the guys who are going to be in town campus in January. Um, Sterling Lane is not one of those guys, at least as we know it right now. And there are certain players who I think maybe the way to answer this is who could benefit the most from being on campus in January to get that. Because someone like Noah Fafita, for instance, I don't expect him to start week one. But the fact that he'll be there in January for all of camp and all of spring ball and everything will give him a chance gives him a fighting chance to just come in there and prove it, right? If he's not there, kind of like Jordan McLeod went through last season, being on campus for all that as a quarterback is huge. Um, the rest of the guys, I mean, those receivers, A.J. Jones, Kevin Green Jr., you know, getting on the field, Keon Burnett, getting those that rapport with the quarterbacks and learning this offense because 
I'd like to think Jed Fish probably simplified things over the course of last season, but it was a pretty complicated offense early on. We heard a lot about that. So the more time they can get in this system and show out there because the receiver room is going to be different. Guys left, so there's going to be plenty of opportunity there. Um, And the quarterback room also is just in flux. And I guess you could say offensive line, but the odds of like a Grayson Stovall coming in and being able to go week one, you kind of hope he's not the guy. Because if he is, if he has an amazing talent or something went really, really bad in that room, and it could be either one. But, yeah, I would say Fafita and then the receivers. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I pulled up the list. I think there are 13 early enrollees, including the transfer from UCLA, DJ Warnell. So, you know, more than half of the, the true freshmen are enrolling early, which is a, a huge benefit to those players and to the program, with, you know, not just having the talent, but getting them in the system earlier. Um, I think I think you you named one of the guys that if I was going to pick a surprise contributor early, I think you named him already, both specifically and in the group. I think Kevin Green Jr. is a guy that could be sneaky, really good, um, kind of a versatile. Not he's not the six four receiver that AJ Jones or or T Mac are. Um, you know he's he's more in the he's like what five eleven or so can play maybe slot and outside. Yeah. Um, former USC commit. I think he's a guy that, you know, again, in in classes past, we'd be very, very excited about what he's going to bring to the table. Yes. Um, but he's getting a little bit overshadowed by the ridiculous amount of talent that are coming at the receiver spot. Um, the other, you know, I don't know if it can be called a surprise anymore uh, because everybody has labeled him as the sleeper steel pick uh, pickup in the offseason in this class is uh celestine g7 celestine yeah i think the question is where does he play right like he's going to be on the field but he's just known more as like an athlete defensive back right like yeah i mean i've i don't know if you've watched the film he he looks great everywhere i think he's certainly going to see the field as a return guy yeah if if you know one guy i don't think we've named is uh prysock who's a a four-star corner who might see the field early just by sheer size and ability at, at, at the corner spot but Celestine is a guy that could play a legit corner or a slot corner role, maybe a slot receiver role, maybe a gadget play type guy. Uh, He's just an athlete. Other than the offensive linemen, every player who's arriving on campus early will get a, have a chance to see the field because that is huge for them. Like the fact that they're going to be on campus, learning the defense, learning the offense, being coached with the weights, you know, strength system and all that, all the training. Like they're going to have a leg up on anyone who doesn't arrive until, you know, fall camp. So, to say, to try to pick out a couple of guys, like, it's kind of like we were talking about before. Just close your eyes and point, and you're probably, unless you landed on Grayson Stovall and watch Grayson Stovall start for them this next season, <laughs> as I say this. But, you know, I think anyone who's a skilled guy, you see the talent on that list. The guys who are coming in early are some of the most talented players in this class. And if they play receiver, they play quarterback, they play defensive back, there's no reason why they can't see the field early, assuming they come on the field, like, get there and are as good as advertised, or at least close to it. So, like, it's an exciting class, though. I think that's what we get out here. It's a really exciting class. Yeah, I think it's a class full of guys that are going to contribute early by a, just raw ability. But their fact that they're all getting there early is just going to benefit them and the program even more in terms of being a contributor early. You know, maybe they're not getting crazy stats, but they, you know, can help win ball games early on. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I think our we have one. One last two-parter question. To ask. All right, let's do it. So this is a, this, our mailbag segment here with the final show of 2021 on our Wildcat Radio AZ Twitter handle. Finish it up, Brett. What do we got? 
So we have from at the underscore dude eleven twenty one. Discuss the outlook for next season's O and D line. New starters. How many players should coach add at those units? Uh, following up and clarifying their question, saying how many players should they add via the transfer portal? As many as they can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I mean, defensively, the defensive line last year was a strength, but they lose Mo Diallo, right? I think they lose Trevon Mason as well, if I recall. Yeah. Um, so you get Keon Bars back, but then, like, you need you need bodies there. And there's some guys, like we talked mentioned Paris Shander earlier, and this is Reagan Terry, one of their top recruits from, you, you know, years prior. Like, there's players who could fill the void, but there's no there's no certainties there. So absolutely defensive line, like, yeah, it was a strength. I think they need to add some depth there, ideally through the transfer portal. Offensive line, if they could, if they have a pulse and they play offensive line, take a look. <laughs> wait, Tell me wait, I'm wrong. Wait, wait, wait to aim high on the O line, Adam. I think, I, I think, on, I think you're right on the on the D line. I think like other guys that contributed, uh, Laville Tatum, I think is out of eligibility. Um, you know, there's some talent still there. You mentioned Keon Bars. I think Paris Shand looked good in small in in, in the in the times he got on the field. Absolutely. You know, Reagan, Reagan Terry, you hope, gets back on the field. I think J.B. Brown might be coming back. I think that kind of helps dictate how much more, like, D-end help you need. Um, but it, it never hurts to have another, you know, capable defensive lineman or two, a la Laville Tatum and Mo Diallo. In the last couple of years, it was Roy Lopez was a transfer, and he was excellent for Arizona. He's been good in the NFL. Mo Diallo was a really late transfer pickup. And he's and I think he'll have a chance to make an NFL roster too. So like it's especially defense like the lines you need like experience helps. Like there's a reason why true freshmen don't usually start at those positions, especially offensive line, because you need to get bigger and stronger and learn the technique that's necessary at the college level is different than what you need at high school. So like if you can pick up guys who have been in a system for one, two, three years and just are bigger, more mature then it's going to benefit you. So if they can do that through the transit portal, absolutely they should and they probably need to. And, and, and I think you need to approach the lines with the transfer portal a little bit differently on defense than on offense because an offensive line needs to have continuity, communication, continuity, trust, continuity. <laughs> it's been a long day, Adam. <laughs> it's been a long year. <laughs> well, amen to that. Um, <laughs> You know, D-line, It's when you have gap assignments, it's a little easier to get size and ability and some technique and say, you're going to fill these 20 snaps a game, right? Um, different than, hey, you are the starting right tackle now, and you're going to play all of the snaps in this game. You know, it's a, it's a different thing in terms of what you're shopping for. I think you could find contributors uh, that go into a rotation easier on defense than on offense. On offense, ideally, you have at least you know one to two guys that are, if not for sh- for sure starters, guys that challenge the current starters. I'm I'm and I'm I'm mostly concerned um, as a Wildcat fan at the tackle spot. I like some of the young guys they have at the interior line spot with. Uh, JT Hand, Josh Baker's looked good. They're they're young, but they've looked pretty good. I think they and Davis Duvall we talked about before. I think there's some young talent there. You know, Peyton Fears, 
was better last year than he was the prior year. Jordan Morgan has all the athletic ability in the world, but he hasn't quite put it all together. You know, behind them, what do you have right now? And do you have anybody pushing them to be better for their starting spot? I'm not sure you do on the current roster. So, you know, I want to have one to two guys that can challenge for consistent starting reps on the O-line spot. And I want to have two to three guys that don't even necessarily have to start, but they have to be rotation ready uh, on the D-line spot. And if we if you do that, I feel much better about things. Oh, well, I'm greedy. I want starters for both D, for both lines, especially well, offensive just, line. Especially, I don't just want don't, guys to push. I want guys who can come in and step in and play. Yeah. Like we well, know, we saw what happened last year, and it's easy to blame the quarterbacks because they weren't great, but. And the running backs underperformed, but the offensive line was miserable last season. And yes, more time in this system and growth can't hurt them. But more talent, fresh talent, can certainly help them, and I think they need that. Yeah, you know, Adam, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if they got three to five surefire first-round draft pick to O-linemen in the transfer portal, it'd it'd help them win some games. (laughs) It's a hot take, but, you know, I agree with you on this one. I do. <laughs> and the thing with offensive line, we can say this, too, we can laugh, is that it's not always about, like, the star ratings and talent. Like, sometimes you just get need bodies, you coach them up, you develop them, and you get the right system. And the continuity, like you were referring to earlier, that makes a difference for these guys. So, you know, they don't just need to go find four-star guys, five-star guys that they're transferring, because a lot of them don't. But you could find a big, sizable three-star player who has experience and come in and be a body. <laughs> so that that's offensive line for you. Defensive line, you kind of need some athletes a little bit, guys, who have that quickest mode. Diallo is a perfect example. But offensive line, like you do need more bodies. You need size. And if Arizona does improve the offensive line play especially, it's hard to imagine the offense won't be that much better because even the quarterback play doesn't have to be amazing if they can run the ball and they have those receivers that they're looking to have, then you just need competent quarterback play. And you should be able to get that with any of the guys they have, I think, behind a quality offensive line, which they did not have last season. Yeah, I, th- I think competent quarterback play and competent offensive line with the skill position talent on offense gives you an above-average offense. I agree with that. As opposed to last year, I don't know if any... Maybe, maybe the running back room was you know, competent to above-average, uh, but I think the running back room has had an upgrade, right? Um, I think the receiving room certainly has. But, you know, if O-line and quarterbacks don't work, the offense doesn't work, you know. So we'll see how it goes. I think it's easier to plug and play as we've seen the last couple of years on defense. I think it's a little harder on the offensive side. Um but we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks with the transfer portal. For sure. And was that the last mailbag question? I believe it. I believe it was. But those were some really great mailbag questions, Adams. I was. I'm really happy with our our listeners for those ones. Yeah, no, those were good questions, fun questions, and they had fun answers. <laughs> they were all positive questions too. Which after you know the way things have gone for Arizona football and even basketball, that's that's nice. It's nice to have fun with that type of stuff. So everyone who responds to, again, it's Wildcat Radio AZ. That's the Twitter handle. We do the mailbag every now and then. We'll throw it out there. But also, if you have a random question, send it to the Twitter account. Reply to us. Ask us. And we'll try to get to it on the next show. But, Brett, we're going to take a break. And we come back. It's the end of the year. Everyone's doing their cliche, you know, resolutions, best thing, worst thing. And we're no better than everyone else. So we're going to do that, too. But that's coming after the break. All right, it's Wildcat Radio 2.0. One segment here, and 
as the year 2021 comes to a close, it's uh, certainly been an interesting one for Arizona Athletics. There's been a lot of high points, some very low points, and what better time to remember it all than now? So, Brett, we're going to start off. We're going to start off with a bad thing, right? Let's just get it out of the way so we can focus on the positivity. What was the low point for you of Arizona Athletics? Any sport, any team in the calendar year 2021? N. A U. <laughs> oh, that's the low hanging fruit there. The lowest hanging fruit there. <laughs> it's and it's and it's not particularly close. That was an inexcusable loss that I was physically present at. And it it's just inexcusable. And for all of the you know, the great off season we've had and last off season and even some of the progression we saw during the year, that that to me was clearly the low point in the year. That that's fair. Um, I, I, I don't know why I thought you would say something other than that, because yeah, there was a lot of buzz for the football season and yeah, they lost the first two games of the year, but it was understandable against BYU and San Diego state. And I mean, I said it on this show, I wrote it in a column for AZ desert. So I'm like, yeah, there's no way Arizona loses this game at least. And then they went out and lost it. Um, <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, what else can I do? Maybe the self-imposed postseason ban, but that was December 29th, 2020. So not quite calendar year 22. It was 365 days ago from when we're recording this, but not the calendar year 2021. <laughs> um, I mean, you could say them firing Sean Miller. I yep. think having to find a new guy, like, it's never fun when you do that. It's never, I mean, it wasn't the low point because again, NAU, you're right. That's the lowest point of the season, but it's not a good look when you have to do that for a coach, like no matter what, whether they're successful or not, when you have to fire a coach, that's, that's not great. It's not what you want to see. Um, but yeah, hard to imagine there's anything worse than the football loss to NAU. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> an easy one. Yeah, I, I, let's let's do. What's the high point then for you? That one should have a little bit more of a little more of a challenge. I think the high point to me is just about as easy to say, and I think it was Arizona upsetting number one seed UConn in the women's uh, final. I gotta start four. doing these myself first because yeah, you're taking all the ones I wanted to do. <laughs> um, you know. I, I could almost even say them make winning the Elite Eight game uh, was maybe the bigger, more important thing because getting to the Final Four is weirdly almost more important than making it to the championship game uh, for a program. But just the fact that you roundly and soundly beat number one UConn, the oh, perennial so powerhouse, and and it wasn't a fluke victory. They just they were you know they played well. Eric McDonald, you know. Did everything's um, that that what that that whole run in March for the women's team was just pure joy to watch. Agreed. That is yeah. If there's no higher point for Arizona athletics than there was the Arizona women's basketball team their run. Just for for cheapness, I'll say Arizona sweeping ASU in basketball. Wasn't mad about that. I mean, I I mean I can even throw out the TMAC commitment as a pretty darn high point. <laughs> Another uh, high point, yeah. <laughs> there were some good ones. Obviously, the win over Cal in football, like obviously it was clunky Glorious. as hell, but it was so satisfying and so just. Uh, like, whereas the the win over UConn was exciting, it was really really meant something. The win over Cal was just like, oh thank God, like you know that was that was really enjoyable. Yeah, beating ASU in basketball both games, especially the one that was in Tempe on the Zulus Tubelis uh, tip in of the. James Akinjo pass shot, whatever it was, shot pass. You know, that was just, <laughs> I was excited. 
And I imagine a lot of other people were too. I think Jason Terry hurt himself leaping off the bench. Like he was really excited about it as well. And then of course Arizona <laughs> took it to him in ten or in Tucson just like three days later. They kind of packed those two games in there. But I do think I mean baseball made it to college world, you know, made it far again. Uh to Omaha, the uh, women's softball team they made it pretty far again of course Candrea retiring that's I guess I don't want to call that a low point now that I think about it because it's like that's he has every right to do that he's one of the all-time greats and when he's done he's done um but yeah I and we might look back and say the hiring of Tommy Lloyd was a high point too anyway, and all said and done because of where things are going same thing with Caitlin Lowe actually replacing uh, Mike Candrea but yeah I think Ari McDonald and Arizona beating UConn in the final four, like that is the high point for Arizona athletics. And really, I mean, the only way it could have gone in better is that they would have beat Stanford and they were an Aaron McDonald shot, maybe being a couple inches, one direction away from having done that. But that's the only, that could have been higher than what happened there. So yeah. I think we can agree there. Oh man, this, this segment sounded a lot better in my head other than us just agreeing on everything. But <laughs> you know, well, the, the, the interesting thing is Adam, if you look back on 2021 for Arizona sports compared to 2020 for Arizona sports. Think back to where we were December 29th of 2021. Uh, right. That was yeah, the, the self-imposed band. The there was a territorial was the cup. And, yeah. But what, what would we have had? What positive things would we have had in Arizona sports? 2020 was a bad year for Arizona sports. And we bought, we bottomed out collectively as a, as a school and athletic program in general. And, 2021 was a period of you know some teams seeing great success but other teams maybe building the foundation where there's a lot more optimism going forward than there has been in quite some time and i think i think that's really the story of 2021 for arizona sports i like that which actually leads me into the last part of this as we head into 2022 the uncertainty that is 2022 now like we mentioned or in this show but what are you most looking forward to uh, heading into 2022 for Arizona sports. Is there any one thing you're going to keep an eye on that you are just excited to see happen or play out? Well, I, I think to what I was just saying with the more optimism, it's hard to pin down one thing, right? Like I'm super excited, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you know, say a prayer. My God, let's let March Madness happen for both the men's and women's teams. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, cause those teams are both, not only are they good, they're really fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm really excited, you know, for spring football starting with this new recruiting class coming in, <laughs> because I'm really I'm really excited to see even what the early returns are in terms of the the this it's just a massive talent infusion in the roster. Um, I'm and I'm and I'm really excited to see, you know, what's going to happen with the the. The, the baseball and softball teams in their in their new coaching regimes, where there's still a lot of talent on both of those teams, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, my optimism is 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 hard to contain right now in 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 basically any Arizona sport, which is far a far cry from where we were a year ago. I, yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's kind of an unfair question because there are a lot of things like assuming the tournaments do happen, both Arizona men and women. Those teams are Final Four contenders. They are championship contenders. They've proven that over the course of their respective seasons where if they have a chance in the tournament, like they could legitimately win the whole thing. Like We know that right now. So, yes, if those, like I'm looking forward to that possibility. Hopefully they do get the chance to do that. And like you said with the baseball and softball coaches, they're new coaches. They're both alums. You know, there's a level of excitement and uncertainty with each of them, but the talent is there, especially coming into this season. 
And, of course, football is the idea that they were building on something that 2022 will maybe offer more wins for them and just a higher level of talent on the field and what that will look like on year two of the Jed Fish tenure. You know, because, like, it's we feel like things are improving there, and next year is the next chance to see it, to see if it does happen. So there is a lot to look forward to seemingly for Arizona athletics, which, like you said, Brett, is a really – Really good feeling right now as we wrap up 2021, which wasn't really all that bad. But 2022 offers a lot of promise, athletically speaking. Yeah, I I think you're right. And it's 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 so much more fun to have cautious optimism than unbridled pessimism heading into the new year. <laughs> yeah, it's almost scary. <laughs> what do we do with this? We're, we're Arizona Wildcat fans, Adam. We're not used to having nice things, and the promise of nice things gives us anxiety. Yeah, right? Because like, I, I can handle getting nice things, but it's hard to expect it. But it's hard not to right now either because just it is, seems like a good time for Arizona Athletics. Baseball, softball, both basketball programs, even football, which is coming off a win, still has a lot of optimism, especially after this latest recruiting class. So, whew. And, of course, there's all the other Olympic sports, too, that there's some some good stories there. Some good players on, you know, with soccer and with golf teams and everything, tennis. So it's, you know, <laughs> could be worse for athletics in terms of what some college programs have to deal with. Like Arizona's in a pretty good spot, it would appear. Just let them play it out and reach whatever their pinnacles are. <laughs> Let's hope they get a chance to, you know, to get there. So and and a can I can I combine optimism and pessimism? pessimism in 2022 into one thing adam yes the iarp ruling hopefully happens and that cloud goes away one way or another <laughs> there, that, that's actually that's fair that is something to be worried about but also maybe excited for based on some of the previous rulings that have come out where it seems like maybe the absolute worst that arizona could have to deal with is behind them but of course until the decision is handed out we don't know what it's going to be so that, that's a good call brett yeah the, good call the, to yep. kind of end the show on a downer and an upper, I'm happy and angry. I don't, I don't know what to think. I'm just confused now, but I just, I, I'm confused, but I just want the IARP ruling to be over. There you that go. Makes sense. That that makes sense to me. So, Brett, I think that just about does it for our show this week. Everyone, thank you for listening. Of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Once games start happening again, there'll be a lot more commentary of said games on the Twitter account. Of course, you listen to the Wildcat Radio. Uh, channel on Spotify, on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us on each of those if you want, because two of us is better than one of us. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe. after subscribing, give us a rating and give us a review. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the air because we like giving our listeners attention. But anyway, <sighs> we did it, Brett. 2021. We, we made it. Happy New Year, Adam. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Be safe out there. Have some fun. We'll catch you all next year. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.